Isabel, uh, good morning. I am so excited to have you on the show, on this episode. How are you doing today? I'm doing great and I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me and, and yes, very psyched about being here with you. Tell us about yourself and what you've been doing and tell us about your, your profession. Sure, sure. So I am an executive health coach. And um, for those that may not be familiar with what a coach really does and and um, and, and health and, and wellness, it's becoming very important now and um, in everyone's lives. And I help guide individuals through the plethora of information that has to do with health and wellness. And I am certified as a nutritionist. So with a focus on healthy eating and really how to optimize performance, levels of energy, um, even weight loss as well as, as as a symptom of possibly not doing the right thing when it comes to your health. So it's a broad, so health encompasses a lot of issues affect our health. And as a health coach, I help folks, guide that achieve their, um, first, some of them just be aware of how important health and wellness is to a, to busy professional uh, entrepreneurs, just people that are on the go, and also how to improve that, how how to start structuring a routine to help build a healthy lifestyle around your busy schedule. So, on that note, how do you help people to build a lifestyle, a healthy lifestyle, around their schedule, around their work schedule? I think it's very important now with everything that's happening around our world in, in the world um, with the pandemic, uh, a lot of uh, virtual also learning, uh, virtual work um, that's happening. A lot of us, uh, myself included, are, are plugged in now. Um, and I think that's uh, making the lines between work and family, work and self-care so blurred now we're always on and building a healthy lifestyle around your busy schedule has become really so integral i see it up there it's very similar to the work-life integration where you need to start understanding that everything you do in, in life is really in it just has to be with health self-care in mind so with that the first thing is really to live intentionally and intentionally be thinking about how do I improve my health in this busy lifestyle? And it's possible. That's what I teach folks, that it is doable to be healthy and be successful and juggle with work life and family. Whoa. I think how is it to be aware of what you are, let's say, how you are interacting with your body, how important is it to be aware of your mind and body both at the same time? And how do you take care of that consciously? Consciously, I think I'll bring it back to nutrition. So nutrition affects your mind and your physical state, right? And a, a lot of folks, we've, you know, we hear about it now. I think it, it's great. It's gaining ground, um, especially in the health field, the importance of a healthy diet as well as fitness and exercise. But a lot of folks still don't, I think, are, are and, and not to blame, it's just the media as well and, and just a lot of, of factors outside of our control um, that are sometimes we aren't as pinned to the significance that nutrition, what you put in your body, how it affects how much it affects your mental state as well as your physical. We know a lot of physical, obviously what you put in your body is helping you get stronger, build muscles, um, build endurance. That's it. But when you start looking at mental health and what B12 vitamins, you know, certain deficiencies are being tied to with depression, certain mental disorders, that becomes very important to understand as well. That food's not only feeding your gut, it's feeling and your body, it's feeling your mind, your brain and your brain. I'll also add, it's just an organ, just like your lungs and your stomach. And so what you eat is affecting your brain as well. So I like the question about the, in the uh, you know, the mental state and, and be mindful of that. Um, and then bringing back to being intentional, um, really it does take, if you want to build a healthy lifestyle around a busy, busy schedule, it does take some planning. 
and some action from your part. It's not just going to fall on your lap all of a sudden. Oh, my, what might be happening to you right now? You're very busy. If you're watching this, you're health oriented already, or you, this would be great at anyone watching right now. That's the kind of audience, you know, some, someone that is already aware. Um, you may be doing some things right. You may be doing something wrong, but poor health happens quickly. It, it, it takes years to develop, to be eating poorly, to be um, maybe not sleeping poorly, all these factors. And then all of a sudden you have a stressful situation. For throwing an example, you may have a promotion, you may have a, a child become a mother, you may become divorced, all these life-changing things that happen. And that's when really you're going to see some effects there and your body's going to, you know, may, may show it. And, and so that's where uh, going back, being really intentional and planning so that you don't get to that point. It becomes very important to build habits and healthy habits and make them automatic so that you're not thinking so much when you're making health choices, you know what to do. And then it's a routine you're developing consistently that really starts showing you the results. Habits are so important and I think they take time to develop. And as you said, like when health deteriorates or becomes poor, it, it happens over a series of habits. It, it's not uh, happening all of a sudden. And it does happen all of a sudden, but it happens due to a consequence. So, yeah, what habits do you suggest should be inculcated? And from what age do you recommend that should be done? So I'm also a mother of two and a wife. And um, I went through my own journey, which I'll talk a little bit um, about in the interview, may touch on, but my own health journey when I became a mom. And... Um, one of the the habits that was, you know, it's just going back very important is the uh, formation of your morning routine. And so how you start your morning becomes very important of how you're going to continue your day. And, and, and so going back, well, to your being a mother, I also realized how important it is to start healthy living earlier in life, uh, very early. I mean, you can start as, as the moment your, your baby comes out and you are, you know, you may decide to breastfeed, you may decide to use the formula bottle, but the moment they start chewing, you're giving them, I think by six months solids, um, you can start exposing them to healthy foods or unhealthy foods. And that's your decision as a parent. Um, and so one thing to make sure that you understand is the difference between a healthy and healthful diet and nutrient dense diet where um, that's what I do as a nutrition coach, educate folks on, well, what really is healthy? Even at a young age, we have a lot of chemicals in our kids' foods now, cereals full of sugar and that, that sort of awareness going back to being intentional and in everything you do, including what you're eating um, really does start to answer your question, I think, at a very young age. So it's very crucial for parents as well to start understanding this so that they can teach their kids and be role models. Yeah, so when uh, the kids are really young, so if the age is really young, then it becomes the parents' responsibility until the kids start developing their own mindset for a good health. I saw your blog and it mentions that your kids started cooking at a really, really young age. I would not imagine cooking at that age. Uh, so yeah, how how did you like encourage them to do that? Well, that started again with my own health journey, where I was I left a very busy career, uh, six figure salary. I was uh, working in uh, cancer pre prevention control, um, global health. I was traveling a lot, and I bring that up because it really involved a lot of travel um, and to different international, both and 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 domestic travel, and it was just a very hectic schedule. That sort of until I became a parent, you just don't realize, and then it's then you're you're also you have a child now, and and that which is wonderful and beautiful, but then your life has to adjust if you're going to continue. It has to. Um, I ended up really finding myself in a rut where I had, after giving birth, I was just tired. I was, um, I just didn't. I think I was a little sort of lost. It was, it was just the transition parenthood and also the career and, and just had a grasp all, I was grasping, um, for sort of a way 
Um, and my body physically suffered. I gained 45 pounds um, after. So you know, a lot of women will gain weight after during pregnancy. It's normal. Uh, and it's normal to, uh, you know, to take some time to also lose the weight. But I actually had lost it. I, I was feeling fine. And then came, it was a period a year after giving birth where a lot of things were playing in a lot of personal, professional. And I ended up just my body started showing I wasn't eating well, I wasn't sleeping well in retrospect. Um, and I was just too tired to make it to the gym. And just the, my normal sort of routine wasn't working for me anymore. Just cutting down on here and here, a little bit of here, calorie counting, that wasn't working for me. So I had to start discovering a new way of how do I fit this healthy lifestyle where I'm actually not just counting calories, but really learning about nutrition and eating healthier a whole food diet uh, to a busy schedule where I have to also be looking out for my kids. I have an entrepreneur husband. I have a startup, you know, with the coaching business. And um, I was transitioning out of the workforce as well. I had my huge, you know, a very successful and, and, and a very happy career that also I had at that moment re reached sort of a milestone and was turning and trying to, well, now what can I do to also be helping people more directly, one with the coaching and one and one, and um, not to go into that too deeply. Um, but answer your question, to make it all work, my husband and I, and my husband really had the idea, you know, he's like, we need to start integrating the kids in the kitchen. My son was, was, was three years old when we started and I had a baby. I have a girl and a boy and my son really is a quick learner. He loves to be helping. I think all children innately want to be helpers. They want to be, it's part of the psyche. They want to be involved in the community and the group. And oftentimes parents, because they just don't know how to handle it, involve them in their activities. They shy them away and may possibly, um, you know, even returning to, to the monitor, the TV. Well, I was cooking, I put on a, a show on TV and, and my husband and I, I remember we were talking one day, he's like, well, no, he, we can figure out a system where he's in the kitchen cutting and and luckily, I give credit to my husband on this. He actually took the time to show them how to use the knife. And uh, my husband has comes from a military background. So he was in SEER school, survival, you know, and he was in the trying to. And, and so sort of things like knowing how to cut. And, and and do certain things, build fire. That's for him is innate, and he and, and his philosophy that now I now do agree. We had to do a little bit of here uh, shifting in mindsets here myself because sometimes as a mom you want to protect your kids and you want oh he can't be touching the knife he's only three years old and 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 what I'm really talking about now in retrospect it's a lot of Montessori sort of thought empowering the child so that he can be cutting at a younger age. They can be, you know, certain kids are ironing. They're building fire by five years old. I mean, we, we look at different countries. Kids are capable of doing a lot more than we give them credit for or that, you know, we try to train them for. Um, and patience becomes so important. And as a parent, I think it's also just the know-how. A lot of parents just don't know how to do it. They're like cutting, they see videos. We like to engage on Facebook. We have a Facebook group. And we have parents, you know, they'll say, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're now he's five and he does, he, he'll chop onions on his own. He makes omelets. And that's sort of not only great for us because now it's great for him. It's empowering him uh, and giving us an extra. Now he's more independent and he can, do, and going back, it allowed myself as a mother to also fit. That's one of the, how to fit a busy, uh, a healthy lifestyle around your busy schedule, especially as a mother, you have to integrate your children. It's not a, oh my gosh, I can only do healthy cooking uh, when I'm single because now I have to think of chicken nuggets for the kid. You know, it's like, and I say that I've had clients who are moms and who have had to learn it. It's been something that um, sometimes women think and men who are trying to maybe lose weight, get healthy. They all have to meal prep for myself and then the kids, no one has time for that. If they're a busy professional, you're not, you know, meal prepping, it's one thing for your, for the family, but now I have to do it for myself. Um, and then they don't realize that healthy eating kids can follow as well. They can be eating it. They can be learning. My, my, my kid loves broccoli. It took a while, but a lot of, you know, exposing them to certain foods are going to make them healthier. Um, 
And as a public health professional, I have an MPH from Johns Hopkins. As I, I worked at the National Institutes of Health for many years in, in cancer and health pro- and disease prevention, I see the growing obesity rates in the United States, especially uh, children. I know there's been a little drop off, but still with the coronavirus, this has been amplified that we really need to start not only at, at the age of 30, 40, when it really starts mattering because you start becoming high at risk for these chronic diseases like diabetes and cancer, but early in age, you're seeing children that are developing diabetes type two early in age. And so lifestyle, medicine, healthy living, healthy lifestyles becoming just that much more important. And nowadays they have low fat bars and low fat. And so calorie counting, well, in that way can be deceiving because you're having the same intakes of calories, but you're not having the same nutrients. So to wrap all of these things, I'm trying to, my point is not all calories are made the same. And so once we can be moved beyond calorie counting, and realize that might be a short term, but if you really are looking at building a healthy brain, building a healthy, really your internal organs and your immune system now, with which COVID has become so important, uh, just continuing to strengthen your immune system, you start appreciating the value of micronutrients, which aren't always talked about. They're just, you know, they're small. We don't really see them, but vitamins, vitamin D, vitamin C, um, you're hearing this now in the news with, I think, uh, Dr. Fauci finally came out and mentioned, you know, his routine. He'd take vitamin C, supplement vitamin D. Um, and so that's something that one needs to sort of calorie counting is great, you know, for a short term. And yes, if you if you um, increase physical activity as calories in, calories out, you may see. And, but now after a certain point in your life, there's certain people and I think with a lot of hormonal changes, inflammation starts playing a role where that doesn't work for them anymore. I've had clients that are endurance athletes that run nine miles a day. Um, they're very active, but they have the abdominal inflammation that is uh, abdominal fat that is a sign of abdominal inflammation that you can see then it's something beyond the calories. It's really, are they protein deficient? You see that in a lot of high athletes, you're doing a lot of exercise, you're not eating enough, possibly good, healthy, complete protein. And um, and the list, it's become very complex, which is why I think I, our service has become so important, the guidance, because a lot there's a lot of more research in nutrition now coming out, the importance of uh, eating the right amount of carbohydrates. Anything. And so bringing down to the more molecular level of the micronutrient and not to disregard also the macronutrients which is what we pause. Now we're hearing more about the macro counting, the um, protein consumption intake, you're monitoring your protein intake and your fat. All three are very helpful. Don't let anyone tell you that, oh, you should knock out fat completely or you should knock out carbs or protein. Um, if anyone, if any of them are the most like protein is so important, you know, but all three are have play a role in the human body. And so as a nutritionist, you start, you be, that's what you do. You understand, you're trained to understand that and be able to help others understand that as well. I think that that was pretty helpful in understanding how you approach uh, working with, uh, let's say, people that come to you. Uh, what are generally the uh, problems, should I say, or challenges people really face uh, when it comes to nutrition and wellness the challenges is i time management is one one challenge that i'll jump in i recently joined ventured with my husband who has his own leadership he's a consultant and um time management goro and um he's been doing a lot of that in that area and that was helpful for weight loss as well if you want to get healthy you want to, you know a lot of the obstacles that i hear from my clients or the people that i'm polling and interacting with is i just don't have the time uh, and time to cook uh time for healthy living and and um i'll just jump and go on a tangent or uh, quickly I, I didn't mention it earlier but the importance of diet but also physical activity moderate you know exercising is you can't outrun the you can't outrun the fork so even if you're an athlete exercising, you need to focus also on the diet. But the same goes with you can't. You have to also be able to. Uh, movement is very important for the human body, and you have to be able to also fit in a bit of walking. Thirty minutes is is just fine, and then also sleep habits 
uh, water consumption are really important. Getting out to the sun, you know, walking out and getting some sunlight as well. There's a, a whole, and when I work with a client, I go through all of these. My focus, my passion is in the nutrition. And I think that's where a lot of people are more misguided in because there's so many diets out there, so much information about, you know, keto, about paleo, about vegan and uh, pro, you know, and that that's where I can add my most value to them, but it's a holistic approach. And so, you know, and, and we're an open-ended sort of system. We are affected also by um, the air we're breathing, the environment, the stress level. So just there, it's, it's diet, but also as a whole, uh, you know, wellness, um, and then also well-being, which is very different from, you know, or is different there's from wellness and, and really being, uh, aligning your health goals to who you want to be and, and just, and the being, which is with my company, be the ultimate you. It's really that realization. Um, it used to be become the ultimate you, but then I realized the more I was with clients, the more I was growing myself that we all have already the potential in us to be what we want to be. It's just really the mindset, the right routine, um, the right resources. And that, that really is important there. And, um, it's so important that that really, I wanted to convey. So I changed my company's name and from become the ultimate to be the, just being, and that really also trying to get the importance of well-being out uh, versus wellness tying in more also the mindset component, which I work with my husband on as well. He uh, coaches on that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how do you think has these, uh, have these challenges uh, changed as of 2020 and compared to the ones that you received, let's say, last year or in the last couple of years? Have you noticed any difference in the kind of queries that you receive? Well, I'll start with weight loss. My my specialty, I'm specialized in weight loss science. And that's what I was very interested in personally having a weight loss journey challenge myself and having kept my weight off for over two, now three years as a mom in stressful environment. It, it, it's hard and dumb. Cravings and hunger are all affected by the stress in the environment around us. But not to go into weight loss um, too deeply on this you know, podcast, you're asking more the sort of the big picture, you know, trends now what's happening with, with the pandemic and the changes I have seen the COVID 15 has become very popular on social media. The tag I've gained the COVID 15. I, uh, and, and, and that has to do with the 15 pounds gain. So wait, but I've seen also effects on sleep patterns. Sleep is very important, not only to weight gain, but also to the immune system recharging to, um, a lot of things that are in that are very important right now with and so it's not only affecting I was the it's COVID fifteen is just a little hashtag you know a, a little aspect a small but significant aspect of what's happening of this big um, change that a lot of individuals human beings are experiencing that I think if I may I'm just in theory or hypothesize really has to do with a lot of the uncertainty. I'm not sure I understood what COVID-15 was. It wasn't like a hashtag. Yeah, COVID-15, yes. COVID-15 is, uh, now it's the same for the 15 pounds that people have been gaining during the pandemic. So while you're in the, we in the United States here, they've, we've, for most of the months of March, April, and May, we were quarantined. And we were in the home and gyms were closed. Restaurants were closed. It was a good thing for weight loss, but people were gaining and they're gaining. And that became known as the COVID-15 in the 15 pounds you gained during the pandemic. Um, and there's a lot of factors that are influenced. You're closer to the kitchen. You're, you're at home more. You may be ordering out or delivery here in the United States. We, people were still eating out by delivery or, you know, pickup. Um, you may just be more stressed. You don't even have to be eating unhealthy. Sometimes you can eat healthy, but also not be sleeping well. Um, I think my personal and some studies are starting to look at virtual, the uh, computer being 
on more often. We're all doing a lot of virtual learning uh, during the time when COVID was evolving. Information from the news was be you know, you're, there's so much new data from the news. People were becoming anxious just watching the news, uh, turning to food, possibly anxiety induces uh, cravings. And that's one thing you need to also know about. And so there are a lot of factors working against us now, particular here in what you're asking with the pandemic that is um, cause that is as counterproductive for a healthy life. And so weight loss, um, you know, becomes an issue, a challenge now even more um, and eating healthier and also making sure that you're getting enough sleep and that you're also um, getting out in the sunlight more often being quarantined. People thought I can't leave my home. And it's not true. If you live in an environment, luckily, a lot of homes here, you know, you can go out and do take some uh, breath. And, and that ties in to also my public health background. I tend to go in a tangent here because I have a really in-depth public health background as well. Um, and so when I look at, um, you know, issues of, you know, of, of the COVID and some misunderstanding in the media of what the virus is, and really is not. I'm seeing a lot of stress around things that really should not be stressful because people just aren't gas grasping what the probably the virus is, what it's not. Um, and also the media. I'll, I think a lot of headlines are, are just misinforming. Just you read the article, and now you read the scientific article. Then after that's and it's not even media. I think it's a it's just based on sexy ha- headlines, things that will grab the reader but sometimes it's inaccurate and you want to make sure, you know, a lot of people are, are panicking because of that. They don't know what to expect. Right. Yeah, that's true. People depend on media sources for information and they might take it on the surface and uh, that, that itself might be quite uh, dangerous because, yeah, of the virus. Well, with COVID as a public health practitioner, I have an MPH, uh, a master's public health. So, uh, you know, clinically I stay away from, you know, I'm not diagnosing, I'm, I'm not treating, and I really focus on preventive behaviors, what they call life's, uh, uh, preventive health, things you can do now before you get sick. Well, obviously, the CD, here in the United States, we have this disease, the Center for Disease Control. Uh, we have the WHO and the global and, and the guidelines are so, so I'm not disputing the hand washing is so important. I wouldn't be disputing the masks, wearing, social distancing, uh, staying in if you're sick and all of those guidelines that the experts have put forth. I respect that because I worked with them when I was in government. I, I worked for uh, 15 years with them and worked with the WHO and, and I know a lot of thought consensus building goes into that. I don't dispute that coming from government and now being in this health field. What the health field, though, more than nutritionist alternative um, or integrative medicine or this alternative non-traditional area now that I'm in, would show you that it would also, you know, there's people within this sphere that say that's not necessary, that it's a hoax, and I completely would not, you know, that's to each his own, we don't credit, but to, the takeaway, I think, that both sides could agree on is the is the importance of a healthy diet it's the importance of making sure you're not vitamin deficient if you're watching this and you haven't gone to your physician asked for a blood test especially after a certain age um you want to make sure that in the 30s men are for women and as they start entering the sunset you know you want to age that you're not deficient in vitamin D, that you're not deficient in the B complex vitamins. And even younger ages, I have clients who are autoimmune, have autoimmune deficiencies. And if you have celiac disease, for example, you're more prone to being deficient in vitamin B and and the complex vitamin B12 is very important for mental health science is already showing. And so is vitamin D, vitamin C. So it's come to the point and also the quality of our food, not to go, it's come to the point where even if you're not in the sunset age, you really need to start becoming more aware of where your nutritional profile stands and, and, um, Am I deficient? And also just simply the food you're eating. The healthier you eat, the more vegetables you eat. I don't think there's one nutrition expert that's going to disagree that vegetables are harm- are, are, are good for you. Um, and there's a lot of data, especially in the cancer world, increasing your vegetable up, 
uh, intake daily. Um, here in the United States, I'm not sure in India how it is with them, but here in the United States, our uh, Department of Agriculture lays out sort of the the roadmap for a healthy eating and, and what a healthy plate looks like. Um, but we should be, and also we should be eating about, I think it's three to, to four. If you're trying to really get healthy, four to six, if you really want to be healthy, try to do seven cups a day to 10 vegetables. I love green juicing. For me, it's another fast way to get my vegetables in. So for a busy professional entrepreneur, try to look at juicing, especially the greens. And you want, if you want to lose weight, if you want to lose weight, don't do a lot of fruit juicing because that just the concentrate of sugar is just kind of draining the, uh, held in there. So you say, but green juicing is very helpful. Things like, um, you know, adding your kale, spinach, collards to start your day. That's part of my morning routine. I wake up in the morning and I, especially when I want to, I feel fatigued. Maybe I didn't eat healthy. I may I had a piece of pro, yeah, pizza the day before the kids, you know, I, I, it's not like you never eat, pro, I never eat a pro, unprocessed or processed foods, you know, people, we have days, but when I want to kind of get back and get that energy surge again, that's my, the first thing I do, I turn to uh, a celery juice drink is also very important. I add turmeric now to my drink. You can, I have recipes on my Facebook group uh, for different, the green juices and, but the sky is the limit with what you want to throw in, in your blender as long, you know, is then, and, 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 but that even that has to be as long as you, it depends on your weight loss goals. If you're trying to lose weight, you've had difficulty losing weight. Again, I mentioned certain fruits, certain, you may want to stay away from, um, at the moment or just eat solid instead of throwing it in, in, in the green, in the blender. Um, but that's the things, the sort of nuances that as a, as a coach, I work with you on. Once I get your history, what your goals are, then I can tweak it. Well, maybe not if, if you're fine, you can throw in a pineapple or a banana in there. But it, so that's where the precision comes in, where it really is important to customize a health plan to make sure you're the worst thing is to have a plan, have a goal and then not reach the goal because someone you're not getting the right guidance to execute. How important your plan is. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. That's the worst thing when people I have ladies that, oh, I was following the keto diet and I don't lose any weight or I lost it and I gained even more. And then I'm like, what are you eating? Let's sit down and see. And they're eating garbage. They're eating now the thing, one of the things to working against us folks that are, that are trying to lose weight or keep weight off is the food industry. Right now, things that are being labeled healthy, and I'll give an example, is that our you know, we have Costco here, a market that's very popular in the, in the United States, a big bulk market, and they're starting to cater to the keto sort of diet and a lot of keto products. They've got this chocolate now, uh, coconut with chocolate, all labeled keto friendly in the front. You look back and it's got three grams of sugar. Now, if you really know the keto diet, the way I, you, know, you realize that could make or break if someone's eating too much of the, this thinking that they're, it's keto. And the, not looking at the quantity, the carbs are also higher. So, you know, one, it's do we blame the food industry for not being really honest or maybe they might not, you know, intentionally and in, 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 in labeling this as healthy when it really isn't that healthy, especially for someone that's trying to lose weight and think it's healthy keto and it really or do we blame the individual for not seeking expert opinion and help to really navigate through this labyrinth of misinformation because that's really what it is i think a lot of people are well-intentioned they want to lose weight but they're not guided by someone like myself for example that's reading constantly the 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 next uh, studies that come out in jama and the nutritional journals and kind of being like well and, and myself have gone through this i wouldn't have you know i, I i've already I lost the 45 pounds and I realized food was so important that I changed positions from where I stood in public health to now really focusing on nutrition. And, and I think that's, it's just going to be, a, I think that's where a lot of experts are going to be going also health, public health experts looking at obesity is now it's all the advancements we made on tobacco control advances we, we made in cancer mortality and incidence because of, you know, of tobacco control is actually being brought back now. And 
reverse decades later because of the obesity now epidemic that's causing we've got ovarian cancer on the rise, liver disease on the rise, liver cancer, a fatty liver disease that younger people than, you know, than we've seen higher rates than we've seen before. So a lot of health issues that are popping out. I think that people, scientists themselves, experts are going to start realizing we really need to start putting more money in nutrition, nutritional research at the federal level. We want to really succeed in this battle against disease. How important do you think it is to have public health leaders as uh, coming forward? Like you mentioned, Dr. Fauci, he came forward during the pandemic. But for uh, issues like obesity, diseases like cancer, how important is it for public health leaders to come forward and share the right information? And not only share, it's very important. And what I love about Dr. Fauci, you know, you've become a very political figure, politicized figure here in the United States. And I'm not sure how it is bacteria abroad in India, but um, he is someone that own, that leads by example. So he's someone that not only says you have to eat, he lives a healthy lifestyle. He is, I believe, the, the National Geographic had an interview um published an interview with him a few weeks ago that I posted on my uh, Facebook group. And he's talking about his lifestyle that includes, he's 79. Um, and you wouldn't, you know, think of it, but it includes a healthy eating, moderate walks daily, swimming, they, you know, this, these habits that just don't, they don't just happen overnight. You have to start from a very young age and you know, having worked with him, not cold, but knowing him, you know, at NIH, I know he would be, be in the gym at 6 a.m. every morning. When I was younger starting, I, I worked there for so long, the National Institutes of Health, and I would get up and, and when I was ambitious, I'd do my mile run before I started work. Best way to, you know, pump that brain and start doing that again. And he was always there running on the treadmill. And so it's that discipline that then unfortunately other leaders don't have, may not have. Um, I'll go off on one reason lifestyle medicine hasn't been so, I think, pushed forth as much as it could be is that to be a lifestyle practitioner, you have to live the lifestyle. I can't be morbidly obese and be talking about healthy living when I myself haven't made the change. And it's hard to, for uh, some people to hear that, but that's reality. If you're going to preach lifestyle medicine, um, it's something it's, it, you have to live the lifestyle. But to practice what you preach. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You also worked in the National Cancer Institute. Uh, so how was your experience over there? And what have you learned about the disease? It's very humbling. And when I worked there, I had the opportunity to work with advocacy. And I was in India. Uh, we did um, collaborations uh, India is the first country to have received an American grant from the National Institutes of Health, which is a very, very, very big deal. Um, and uh, you have a great organization, uh, the Tata Memorial Center in Mumbai is where I was, but you have a lot of, in, in general, a lot of experts in India that are doing amazing work there, amazing job. Um, and so when I was there specifically, I was able to interact um, with the hospital, the patients. And so going back to working the NCI, it was very humbling to see patients fighting the candle, what cancer does um, to the pain and working with advocacy. I really enjoyed that. My daily today, uh, everyday responsibilities was managing programs. So I was working with the scientists, with the policymakers, with the advocates and trying to develop and consensus building documents, uh, peer review journals. It's just a different circle um, publishing so that everyone else in the scientific community can can um, have you know be on the same page and have access to. But um, going back to how it was very humbling, it was um, it's just an amazing, now it, it feels like it's been years, but it's been three years uh, since I left. And I had the opportunity to work with some amazing organizations the WHO, um, the UICC, uh, International Union Against Cancer. And these are just very passionate individuals that are very heartily, very, and frankly, working, trying to improve health and and and, and just disease, the lower end. And um, cancer in particular, there's a lot of unhealthy habits that are 
that we see here in the United States that are being transported internationally, even obesity is growing and is global. It's a global problem. And there's a lot of room for collaboration with other countries as well. And that's what I was also uh, doing a lot of with the ministries and but room for collaboration. So it's an exciting field, I would say, working and, you know, and, and it's humbling because it always, you have to bring it back to the patient. But I would say that's why I think what led me to really do the coaching aspect, because I really was more pro was working with the patient and also the need again. Now, this is changing. The National Institutes of Health now just announced they're starting to do funding for more nutritional research, precision nutrition. I think it's great. But when, when I was there, there was a huge focus and rightly so on tobacco control. But now I think so a lot of the experts are going to move and start looking at nutrition as the new trend. I mean, this is really where we need to be focusing now with the obesity and, um, and even COVID. But this is where we really need to be focusing on. Yeah, you are also recently, I think you've launched a book. I see a lot of books at, in, at the backfield. Uh, do you have your book where you can pull up? Is it published? Oh, yes. So I have the landing page that I, I, I put up for the, um, and we, the physical, we have the electronic available, but the physical hasn't been published. So it'll be, we're very excited. We've been taking a long time with my husband to make this as, you know, as uh, useful for people, adding some health tidbits, but as well, just fun vignettes, this thing, stories of how we started cooking with our kid as well, our kids as well. And we really wanted to make sure those messages came out across and so we're really working on it and and so if you sign up we'll be able to send you information on the launch date um which comes in and more and and so that you can yeah get your hands on it i think it's, it was a very exciting kind of piece of a project that my husband and i worked on with the kids and so we want to make sure and then all of that but thanks for asking because we are really excited about that. I think it's going to help a lot of people. I, I think a lot of people also are just get kind of stuck on what am I going to cook? That's always the thing. And, and just having it right there, nutrient dense, and also with a bit of family fun, because a lot of people are now trying to struggle with kids at home and, and getting healthy with as a family. Well, that's so, um, yeah, so that'll be soon. We're trying to get it out before the, for the Christmas holidays. So people can, you know, play with family and uh, you can sign up though now on the, and get some recipes on the landing page. You get some recipes from the books. So you kind of get that a little bit um, and then you can get the whole book. I'm excited for your book. I'll have you covered the recipes that you usually cook and you also invented a mix and match of a couple of things. And did you do it during the lockdown? Yes, I did. We did with my, we did. We, we said, we're going to finally do this. You know, we're both busy professionals with the kids and we're going to get down and, and do it. And we did. Um, we do include I, a, a lot of the, the meals, all of the meals are healthy living sort of meals that with a lot of the nutrients that I loved. And you can go in there and, and, and read about the, all of the nutrients there and the omega three. But, um, we, uh, we, in, with seafood, we diversify. They're all healthy meals. And one of the things we did learn is the more the kids, it's also very good to teach kids to eat with you and not to try to serve separate dishes. In the United States, we do this a lot. I think now the trends are changing. Moms are educating, realizing the importance. I myself in nutrition. And so trying not to have a, maybe a sort of the burger or something for the kids and and then for the adults you have your nice seafood salad because they can't eat seafood I'll, I'll throw out seafood because americans don't eat a lot of seafood in the united states we're actually kind of and that's improving but it's such a uh, source of good nutrition and brain health and and so we have in, in a lot of our recipes we have bass we have you know some you know delicious oysters because they're full of and the kids are sitting and eating with them and so Part of it is encouraging your children to eat the food you're eating because that's actually going to also keep them unintentionally. You're not away from what you don't want them to be eating. And it's going to, and so that's good. And so going, we don't restrain. This isn't a restrictive lifestyle uh, and my children included. If they want cereal, they want a Halloween candy. You know, we, we don't want you to say, we, we don't want to make this so restrictive that you're just going to end up turning to sugar even more to certain things as you, you know, you, we don't want, we want you to, and it's the same with, um, with children 
our approach has been intuitive eating. Let your body speak. If you're full, you're full. You don't have to finish the meal in front of you. If you want a candy, fine, but make sure you have your dinner first. Protein is important. Then you have the dessert. And my kids are learning. Just the other day, my son was at my grand and my mother's and my mom wanted to offer him an extra cookie. Grandparents will do that. Oh, here's the cookie. And my son was like, oh, I love it, but I have to go to dinner first at our pa- at my home and then I'll have the cookie. So he took the cookie with him. He had dinner and then he had the cookie. So it's not depriving. It's more kind of the timing and, you know, and also appreciation of, of the vitamins. And when he knows that he's like, oh, dinner is good because I get my proteins and I need, you know, brain health. I need to eat some fish and so, or, you know, other vegetables. And, and, and that's where as a nutritionist, if you don't want to eat fish, now this is as a client, I would tell you, yeah, you have allergic or then I work with you. There's other foods you can eat to meet your dietary, you know, your, your needs, nutritional needs. But um, here in our family, yeah, the recipes we enjoy, we have a lot of fish. We have uh, healthy lean meat recipes. We have and vegetable recipes as well. And um, we're excited. The only thing we didn't include, which I'm thinking is going to be the next one, is the desserts because these healthy desserts are so important. And and then also uh, some gluten-free things as well and, and dairy-free to help with them. I'm not sure in India, I'd love to hear, but here there's a lot of um, uh, food allergies on the rise and also some um, you know gluten-free trends that are a lot of people are turning to gluten-free products, not only for medical reasons, obviously if you have certain autoimmunes, you stay away from celiac disease, you stay away from gluten. But in, in general, a lot of people are turning to gluten-free uh, diets and, and I have, I can talk about that also, but um, that, you know, in a sense, you know, certain things might be better to reduce certain gluten pro- It comes with the processed food, also reducing uh, wheat and processed foods. But um, with my children, they eat their Cheerios if they want it with, with, with milk in the morning, but we just want to make sure they get enough vegetables and, and fruit in their diet. You want to indulge in something, make sure that you had those uh, proteins, carbohydrates and in place, and once in a while you can, it's okay with that. Exactly. It's changing how you see food, not as something that, oh my gosh, it's something I have to eat. It's a reward or a pun or, you know, or it's so tasty. It's really just being more mental about consumption. It's fuel. It's, you know, it's energy. That's what you're eating. And then we're all going to create, you know, um, it's hard to tell a child, don't eat, you know, the chocolate milk. And it's fine. As long as there's a parent, you understand that there's a balance and that's what's important. You want to balance that fruit. If he has some cake, I balance it with offering raspberries and strawberries. And you can't force a child. I wouldn't recommend forcing. I do sometimes walk around chasing with a spoon. You know, drink your broccoli soup. They love the broccoli soup, actually. So I put, uh, I have a recipe on my the coconut um, uh, milk in there. But you can't, other than that, it's, you, you would be taking forever forcing a child to, you know, eat healthy. I'll, I'll, I'll demand certain things, eat that carrot if you're going to have that chip. That you can do, that negotiation and making sure they're eating healthy. But sometimes all you can do is offer it to them, make it available. And so when they have a cake, for example, my my kids, have, uh, you know, they'll have their piece of cake, a birthday cake, and I just make available the fruit. And that's as a parent, that's all you can do sometimes. And that's just fine. So don't, you know, go uh, feel bad or, you know, or, or be hard on yourself. It, it's tough. That's the other thing with parents. Sometimes we're too hard on ourselves. But if you can just offer the healthy, if you can just eat healthy food yourselves, you know, my, my son now realizes, like, oh, are you eating keto? He knows, like, keto-friendly. Or is this, like, gluten-friendly? He's like, are you eating healthy? Uh, you know, obviously, to maintain my weight at my age, um, we want I want to make sure that I'm eating an anti-inflammatory diet. You know, it's to certain things that, again, I won't go into nuances, but as a health coach, that's things that I also work with you on. And so I personally may not eat certain things that my son, I won't eat Cheerios, but my son will have a little bit of cheese. That's fine. But I always make sure he's eating the vegetables and the fruits that kind of balance that out. So I like that question. That's very important. Balancing your meals is very important. Sounds like a realistic advice and which you can actually implement. And I think uh, I heard your recipes and they sound like they originated from different places and you yourself have been at different places. So was that also an inspiration to include those recipes from those places? 
Yes, I love your questions. That's very helpful. Yes, that's good. I haven't been asked that before. And um, may not intuitively kind of comes out. My, you know, my family is from South America, from Bolivia. And Bolivia has their own, um, just like in India as well, in each culture has their own very healthy and 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 probably like staple food and um, ginger, turmeric, ghee butter, South Asian that I, I cook a lot with ghee and and now it's becoming very popular on the here in the East Coast. Um, but Bolivia, you know, growing up we did a lot of quinoa, which has become very popular. A lot of flaxseed, linaza in in Spanish, it's called linaza flaxseed. Um, the great actually source of protein and also Omega, so great for, for example, if you're a vegan, I would recommend flaxseed. I won't go into the nuances, but um, a very good, healthy diets that are, you know, that you can find abroad. And and uh, and so to answer, yes, I do have my parents personally coming from Bolivia. I have the uh, uh, quinoa. We love to use quinoa uh, in, in recipes, and you can actually use them for dessert. And um, also, and then I have turned to. Uh, a lot the dry condiments are much healthier than so another little tip is instead of using liquids to season use dryness like paprika like uh, curry turmeric pepper with the turmeric and those are things that a lot of cultures are already doing and here in the united states we turn for easy access to a lot of the the liquid the um, uh, hardier sort of softest to to marinate um and so yes i would say um I use a lot of coconut milk when I went. I, I do follow personally a dairy-free diet, and I use a lot of nut-based, plant-based um, milk. And also for my cooking, coconut milk, that was something we I personally, before going into this health journey, I didn't. Um, and a lot of other cultures and bringing up coconut milk and also um, a Thai is a culture. And then also the, the ghee butter is one that we just love. and. And I know that in, in South Asia, it's very popular in, in, as well. And um, yeah, interesting. I have been homemade my gift, but that's what I'd love to do. Amazing. Yeah, we've tried everything from our breads, which is proteins or nuts, to rice or, uh, yeah, different types of meals. Uh, so I think that, that comes very naturally to us in every household uh, has that, I, I would say. Well, that's also the homemaking, just in general. Sometimes it's not even the ingredients. Greens are important, but as much as just making it from home versus buying it from the store. That's great to hear that you're still making bread. And, you know, I, I do my hemp bread with a lot of proteins, but here it's getting, it is harder with a busy schedule. It gets harder and harder to do. So kudos. I read the fun facts that you mentioned on your LinkedIn profile, and you said that uh, I'm not sure to pronounce that. Flamenco, is it? Do you have been a flamenco dancer? Uh, yes, and that's part also of finding the work-life balance and always having that art. For me, what has worked also that outlet of creativity that when work is getting too painful, it happens and you're too focused on thinking and you have to kind of unplug. Um, even now family, maybe you're juggling family, that might be stressful you kind of unplug I have that outlet that I can use to just be me and and I was lucky growing up that I did take on artistically always parents is awesome if you have the opportunity to put your kids in some sort of musical class I think it's even more important now with COVID people you know it's a little harder but if you can find that time and um I think there's things you can do through video but music dancing and flamenco is an art form that originated in Spain. It um, came with a gypsy sort of art form, very passionate, very beautiful. And, so, and I have been dancing for many years now. It's always been, um, you know, on as on the side as to complement. Obviously, I was a public health form, but on the side as, as a hobby. But I've gotten gigs also. I was uh, there was a time in my life when I was running around from NIH and I was from Bethesda heading over to DC and I was putting on my flamenco and had an actual show there in one of the top and I was doing with my, with my guitarist. And so you, it's a art form that, that really come requires the guitarist to provide the music. And then the cantaor 
to to provide the lyrics. And then really your job is the dancers to interpret. So it's a beautiful arm with a lot of team, you know, creativity. I encourage it with um, many people. I have videos also like to try to use either flamenco, an art form, uh, musical instrument. If you don't, it's never too late to learn either. Any age, you can pick up a new hobby. And, and, and flamenco is certainly something that has saved me oftentimes when things are maybe just too stressful or or to concentrate on one thing and help it kind of detach and get back to the basics of movement and movement again for healthy living and wellness is very important. If you're not exercising, you know, you can be dancing. If you don't have time to go to the gym as a busy professional, put on a song and start dancing. Flamenco is, you know, with the, um, the footwork and the hand movements, I'll start dancing, but please do don't sit, especially now when we're constantly on the, on the cell cell phone and on the, laptop and on the screen exactly we're constantly on the screen no no because we're going to start you know already data showing the more you're on the screen the lower your life expense we're going to start getting bigger we're going to get lazier and we're, so we have to move and for me flamenco has been amazing so i love it <laughs> i try uh i was getting by i was performing again that was part of my weight loss journey i lost 45 pounds. I kind of went back to who am I now? I'm a mom. I'm a professional, but I'm a mom now. I had to kind of go through my own. And I'm also a flamenco. I danced before I got married. I realized how much I loved it. I didn't want to give it up. And now that I had that energy again, more of the focus, I brought it back and I was performing. Unfortunately, with the the uh, COVID, the, the quarantine, that, that has stuff, flamenco dance, you know, in public a lot of venues have closed and, and musicians. I'm glad you're bringing that up because the musicians have suffered from that. I have my other, you have my business. It was never my main income, you know, or, but for people that are musicians specifically, I wouldn't call it, you know, I'm a uh, um, moonlighter type of, you know, I go, I, you know, get, but I'll do my event, a moonlighter, but someone who's a really professional, they, you know, they're turning now to others. It's, it's been hard. A lot of venues here have closed. So, um, uh, but what I would say is that I have, so I have tried, it's hard with my daughter. I have a, I think I have a video on my Facebook group. Uh, the name of my Facebook group, before I forget, is uh, Successes to Successful Weight Loss. Successes to Successful Weight Loss. And it's small, but in there I add all, because it's my life. It's to make it successful. You have to blend the kids. You have to, you know, you have to know apologies. You have to just kind of do it and get it done. It's messy, but you'll get it done. And I'll have a while ago, I had a tape where I was trying to do my footwork. I was you know, losing the weight and my daughter's holding on to my ankle and, and trying to, you know, stop me from now she's getting older and, you know, I'm, I'm going down there again, but I do have a space and like, and, or I, I try to do it at least, you know, once a day, just if only five minutes of footwork, I'll dance in the kitchen. You don't even have to go, you know, to a space where just dance in the kitchen, throw on the music or YouTube or flamenco dancer and you just start following her and start doing your moves. And then your daughter looks at you. She's really cute. My daughter, actually, now she's she's three. So she's starting to do the moves herself as well. And I'd love for her to follow, you know, if she likes it, if she doesn't like. But the, the point is, I can't wait for a time for endure a sleep where I'm going to go tap dance because it's a lot of it sounds like tap dancing. You have the, you know, the footwork, the flamenco, it's not tap dancing, but it kind of is similar and, um, with the foot stuff, the footwork, but you know, I can't do it. If they're asleep, I'm going to be waking, you know, uh, them up, you know, like, long story short, I can't wait for the perfect time and neither should you. If you want to start something, you want to start a hobby, I highly recommend it to balance work and life something that's yours that you really love just do it in the kitchen if you have to the kitchen you know i've been cooking you're like trying to practice something or just some movement or some good and detox moments uh, just while you're doing anything and if you think you want to do that well let's just do it exactly exactly yes <laughs> with the screens that we mentioned that we're uh, you know, we are claiming screens for taking our uh, time so much and not being able to, because that is, that might be the only option for some people, a lot of people. Uh, do, how important do you think technology comes into play when you are thinking about, let's keep a track of your uh, habits? Uh, it may be your schedule, it may be your nutrition, it may be your steps. A lot of apps help you do that. So, uh, mm -hmm. have you, do you use them? 
Yes, yes. And actually, my husband, who is this, uh, a data uh, robot, so he's a techie, more literate with, with technology, you know, and has been working to help me because a lot of that's become very important. I think for Busy Pro also being able to track something on the phone um, and has, as a coach helps me because I'm able to keep accountability checks, just little health tips moving forward without having. So I think both are really um benefit from from technology and we have actually my husband uh, developing an app for our own be the ultimate you that's going to look at how trying to predict success and weight loss based on your different habits and, and what you're eating but right now on you know in the market you can fit there is the fit pal fitness pal that i've had you know clients with uh used to to track their macro nutrient intake and I do as a as a coach will I don't right now use an app you know license program. we're developing it and really excited about it I think it's going to be amazing and better than all of the ones out there but um right now I have been using a lot of people come to me and they're already using apps whoop is one other one and they're you know to the by so there's a lot of technologies taking it to the to the level where you know you can start predicting certain things based on the information that you're feeding um, your technology. And so we are very excited to be working in this field. And, you know, again, my husband with his, but he's really taking the realm of developing this stuff with, you know, and, and, uh, but right now, yes, I've had, you know, uh, fitness pal, um, is one that comes to mind. Uh, there's my wellness coach also, I think the university of Arizona has been developed. That one's a little, but sort of helping as a health coach to, have your own personal health coach that you can download the app. And that's, that's something that, you know, as, as a person you can use, um, to, I don't use it, but to have a, a virtual sort of wellness coach. Whoop is another one. It ties into your Fitbit and it, you know, it tracks movement and, and heart rate. Um, and there is even things now that are tracking brain. I mean, you can get as nuanced as you want. Um, I do help with with the macro tracking. That's good. If you want a diet that you are comfortable with tracking your your carb intake and your protein, then I help you with that. I'm trained to do that and help you optimize your Fitbit and your fitness pal is one that I specifically that um, you can do that. Um, in my journey, I personally didn't use, you know, a lot of technology. I kept it simple. I increased my my vegetable intake. I took out it decreased the bad, you know, processed foods. And, and, um, but with that said, I think because of the busyness and see really, I'm starting to rely more and more on the technology to make sure that you're, you're staying on mark on point, um, and also predicting your success rate, which is really important to a lot of people. You want to make sure you keep as much as you can of your, you know, as much as possible of your habits and just things that might change, but you know, kind of predicting it'll be very important and, and also individualizing, personalizing um, the plan as well. I do collect a lot of surveys as well. Like when I start with folks, there's a lot of um, uh, online, I use monkey survey to collect information as well from folks to, to customize the plan right now. Right. Yeah, that sounds uh, great. And I'm sure mm -hmm. the use of technology would be integrated more as and when the time goes by and we find newer ways to collect our own data like for example the there is an app in uh, apple uh, iphones as well in health app which lets you track your sleep schedule so you might be able to observe your own self and you will be able to see whether or not you've done you have maintained that schedule properly or not and where you and how long have you done it and to be able to see the impact that you really want to see yes that's what i'm gonna say my my um sister was here this week she's a psychologist and she's been using the fitbit with you know, for with my mom also kind of track her activity and her sleep patterns because sleep is so important for optimal to optimize your health. And um, there's actually studies looking at sleep lowers life expectancy if you're not hitting around, you know, seven hours to eight hours is what people should be striving for. Adults, 
Um, and then, you know, as, as you age, that, that number changes, but you should really should for optimal uh, performance, be sleeping soundly seven to eight hours a day. And um, those apps that, yeah, that help monitor how much you're sleeping and how much you're walking. And uh, those are great. I, I'm, I'm starting for me to get more, you know, in this tech savvy AI, artificial intelligence. It's amazing what they're doing. That's what my husband specifically focused on. AI and, and um, all that data now that you can collect and to predict and uh, success rates that I think that is very important. But on my own journey, I was just like, my watch, I'm going to sleep from eight to seven. Obviously, as a parent, I'm waking up in the middle of the night constantly to make sure this or my baby was awake. So I wasn't getting the ideal sleep, but always making sure I was getting my, you know, my walks. And I was, I have a steps app that calculates how many steps I'm taking a day. And, but that's my challenge for the next time we speak is to increase more of the uh, Fitbit. I try to stay awake because I feel like all this technology on me and like the Fitbit is like, I'm, I'm walking at work. I lost my way. I lost my way in 60 days. <laughs> Again, that I like the thing, but it's helpful. It's something that and also to better service my clients. I, and a lot of, of clients are turning to the technology and my husband as well. He's, he's all, he's feeding me these things. Like you need the AI and the tech and the app. And so I think that'll be the game changer also for, for every, you know, in, in the industry, the AI and, and precision, nutrition and medicine and, and, um, and data, how to analyze that, that a lot of data. And, um, and for now, yep. That, um, great question. Mm-hmm. I really, I, I think that that's great. If you have the sleep is this sleep is one. I was, uh, I gave a, a talk the other day and I was, um, back in my alma mater and we were talking about the challenges and we actually did like a poll and, and really the weight loss was up. But one that really came up, a lot of people are suffering from is lack of sleep right now, or just not enough sufficient sleep here in the United States. That's a big, big health concern. Yeah, sleep deprivation more things and more uh, advances in technology as well as nutrition and both together uh, that can do wonders yeah i appreciate it. i was there this was a lot of fun and uh, yeah i would love to get back and now i'll tell you more about the updates and, and the cookbook and i really appreciate your inviting me yeah. inviting us so my husband he's with the kids now we have to go to the other thing as busy professionals we tag team and then he he also has these things called, and so we have to be respectful. And he he's helping now, and then I I jump on helping. He does his things, but we really appreciate the the outreach to be in in this show with you, and to really appreciate that. So excited! Anytime, let us know when we're here. My husband as well. <laughs> Love to chat with you again, and uh, for being with us on the Research Lab show. 